is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. So I have to tell you, this week, so many topics to talk about. We've got a lot going on in the world of real estate. Hopefully, I'm going to break it down, make it a little bit more simple for everyone. But I got to tell you, when I listen to some of the stuff that's coming out in the media, the press, you know, you read some of these stories, you got to shake your head, of course, for some of it. Others make sense and see if we can do make a little bit more sense of what we're being told this week in the world of real estate. Also, a little later on in the hour, I'm going to have two guests joining me. The first one is uh, Tim Bernie. He's from Bernie Electric. We're going to talk a little bit about the exteriors of your home, a little bit of cautionary stuff, folks, keeping you safe always. And when you're looking to buy a home, definitely a resale, you want to make sure you know what you're buying. Are, are you buying somebody's electrical nightmare? You know what? Some people will be shocked at this. And no, that was not a pun intended on that one. And of course, a little bit later after that, I've got Dave Butler. He's going to be joining me. And Dave and I are going to talk about cottage properties. Have you ever thought of buying one? What do you need to know about the financing of them? Really important stuff. So make sure you stay tuned the entire hour right here on News Talk 1010, Simply Real Estate. And I am your host, Todd C. Slater. So what about the news? What's going on in the world of real estate? I got to tell you, you know, some of the recent stuff is, it's interesting. I hate to put it this way, but it seems like the banks want to suck and blow at the same time. And why I say that is this week, a lot of the banks are saying they want to put some pressure on the government to cool the housing market. But meanwhile, they are the same people that are throwing the millions and billions of dollars at people for mortgages. So what is it? What are you making a decision here? Do you want to keep lending? I mean, they're lending to foreign investors. They're lending to everybody over, you know, when you have to buy a property over a million dollars, you need 20% down. They're saying, hey, we're protected. We've got 20% down. They cannot be CMHC insured mortgages. So they keep doing it. But meanwhile, they're sitting there now saying, hey, government, you do something about it. What about the banks actually tightening it up themselves instead of making somebody else the bad guy? Because I think that's really what they're trying to do. I think what they're saying is, hey, we'll give you money, but if the government tells us not to, then we won't. And I think there's the problem and the disconnect in this entire thing. What's your thoughts on it? Do you you see it that way? You know, the banks, when they turn around, they report their multi-billion dollar profits every quarter. You got to start wondering when they want to complain about the markets, you know, This is why they're making so much money. And now they're sitting there saying, oh, now we're afraid we're going to be at risk. Well, you know, if you take a look at what's going on in the real real estate market in the world, more more in our backyard of Vancouver and Toronto, you know, we're not seeing stuff fly off the shelves because A, there's not enough inventory, but B, the prices continue to go up. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in a minute. But, you know, where are we going to go with this? Where exactly will they go with this? The idea is that some people are proposing that instead of 5% down period, they want to abolish that and go to 10%. Can you fathom the idea of going to 10%? Now, listen, years ago, that was a norm, okay? They only went down back in the 90s, you know, after the great crash of the late 80s, early 90s of the real estate market, they needed to start coming up with some incentives. You know, at some point, there was zero down. They used to have 40-year amortizations. Well, the conservative government introduced some legislation that ended up changing that. They thought, hey, listen, this is way too loose. You know, the whole idea of a 40-year amortization, that means your payment, you know, is so low anybody was being qualified for it. And this was a problem. 
Now, we're not introducing the whole Freddie Mac of the U.S. style of mortgages. CMHC, of course, which is the Canadian Mortgage Housing Corporation, which ensures high-ratio mortgage, high-ratio mortgage being, of course, less than 20% down on a property, you know, they also are part of the pressure valve here. They can determine if they are willing to insure these mortgages. So who should say no? Should it be the government? I don't think so. I don't think the government should have the right to start saying no to the market. I think the people giving the mortgages who are taking the risk have to make that decision. And I think the banks need to stand up for themselves instead of trying to use the government as the scapegoat. It's just my opinion on it, but I think that we have to take take a look at it. Now, for those of you that have been tuning in here to Simply Real Estate for the last few years, you know I'm a big you know, component of telling you Do not live beyond your means. Understand rates can go up. Markets can change. Life happens. Keep this in mind whenever you're signing on the dotted line for that mortgage. Are you over leveraged? Have you pushed yourself too far? You know what? Take a step back. This is one of the important things. And I think that this is more of an awareness that people have to understand. And the government's not going to make you more aware of it. If you turn around and they start throwing in more rules, will they change? You know, the new rule that they put into place in February, where they turn around and said anything over five hundred thousand to a million, you need to come up with ten percent. Did it have much of an effect? Well, according to uh, economist uh, Deputy Chief uh, ben- uh, Benjamin Tall, he actually said he didn't feel that it changed much. You know, we saw just a little bit of a blip in the actual number of units. Uh, you know, we saw them go down a little, but prices continue to go up. But you know, when we take a look at what people are trying to say, where did the market go? And in April, what we've learned is that the number of the units are down, but of course, Vancouver and Toronto are still going up in price. So supply and demand. Demand's there, supply is not. Vancouver, year over year, 25% increase in price, but flat. In other words, no more homes sold in the month of April in Vancouver than it did last year, but the prices are up. That's a supply and demand issue. Here in Toronto, of course, prices in April were up 12%, so half of what Vancouver was. And again, what we did see was we saw a little bit of an increase, 3.7% year over year. So that means Toronto has more inventory active in the marketplace than Vancouver. So do we keep focusing on those two markets only? Because the rest of Canada, when we see these staggering numbers coming out of Vancouver and Toronto, the rest of Canada is actually kind of averaging. It's you know, 6, 7, 8% year-over-year price increase, which is steady, not out of control. Vancouver's a little out of control, but we have to understand where it comes from, and that is directly from the supply. There is none, folks. And when you don't have supply and somebody wants to buy something, they do it. Let's stop blaming the people that are coming in from overseas, okay? You can't do that. But if the government wants to cool down are out-of-country investors, then what they're going to have to do is put a proposal on a capital gains tax and a flipping tax. Put a number of years, they must own it, and there's a percentage of tax you must pay if you exit. If they're just here to park a million dollars to try to double that money over the next few years, I agree. Tax it. Make sure they get taxed as thoroughly as you need. But if they're here to actually live and they're taking their money out of the country because they actually want to put it into a safe haven where they plan on creating a future, you know, maybe families, then this has to be the rule. You know, let them do it. Let 
Foreign investment coming into Canada, very important stuff. Hey, a couple other topics I think we need to talk about. Hot, hot topic, obviously, is the TTC. I don't know how many of you take it. Uh, in, here in Toronto, lots and lots of people do, I know. Everybody's frustrated with it. And of course, looking at the Scarborough, you know, station that they are, you know, have always been proposing and all the budgets are blowing through the roof. You know, it was interesting, Kathleen Wynne was on the uh, on the live drive with uh, Ryan Doyle this week, and uh, listening to her, you know, I, I, gotta, I just shake my head. I, I, I give up, you know. Is there a politician out there that can talk out of the center of their mouth instead of their side? And when we take a look at transit, all we are doing is getting a runaround. But for those of you that are living in the area where they are going to do extensions, how much money should you be offered if they do an expropriation and understanding what an expro- expropriation is, is the government can actually come in and say, we are buying your property. Yeah, you can fight it, but the chances are we're still going to buy your property. You don't have a choice here. Or we're going to have an adverse effect to your lifestyle because we are doing something that is going to be a negative to you. So we're going to have to buy your property. So the real question I always ask ask people, and I talked about uh, this with my producer, Ian Grant, I said, hey, listen, the real question is, how deep do you own when you own a property? So if they're tunneling 50 or 100 feet below you, do you own it? Now, of course, the shaking of just the construction alone and then the trains going underneath your property, you know, for some of you people that own some of the older homes, this is not going to be a positive thing. Your foundations, of course, cannot take that kind of shift. You cannot take that kind of vibration. So it's going to have a definitely a detrimental effect to your property. Will it also change your values? Will you now having a subway running underneath your property change your values? In actual fact, I believe it does. I believe that some of the older homes, they're going to have to be renovated. You know, we have to take a look at the foundation structure, engineer reports, engineer studies. For those of you that are in the crosshairs right now, the TTC, I'm going to encourage you to do a couple of things. First and foremost, get a real live appraisal of your property today. You need to know where your value is. Secondly, Get an engineer study of your foundation, okay? If it is just barely hanging on, guess what? There'll be nothing left of it if they do this construction, and this is going to be expensive, so you need a cost of it. So when people are sitting there making this uh, idea come up that you may be expropriated just because they're going to be running it close or below you, know what you should be entitled to, always. We know expropriation, in all fairness, they will turn around and they want to set the dollar value. You do have the right to hire A, a lawyer, B, an appraiser, and make sure you know what market value is. You should never let your property go at the first offer. Take a look at it. Make sure the comparables are correct. Make sure your lifestyle is not adversely affected. And by the way, part of your cost that you need to be able to recover is the fact you're going to move. For those of you that want to sit and you've planned on staying here for the rest of your life, this is not what you planned on. You did not plan on the government coming up to you saying, hey, by the way, I'm moving you because I want your property. So keep that in mind. This is changing your lifestyle. You need to get your your compensation for what you're actually spending. This is so very, very important. So keep that in mind when you're dealing with an expropriation offer. Get your lawyer involved. Get your appraiser involved. Make sure you get the right dollar. By the way, coming up after the break, I'm going to be talking to Tim Burney from Burney Electric. So stay with us. We've got some great tips for you coming up after this. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. 
More of Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Hey, listen, just before the break, I was just talking with my uh, my producer, um, Ian Grant, and I would mentioned regarding your property and how deep do you actually own and, you know, my, my, my point is probably about as deep as you can drill. Uh, lots of people in, in rural country have to be able to bank a well and they'll go down two, three, four hundred feet. So realistically, you know, if, if subways are being built underneath your property, chances are they are still being built on your property. It's not that you only go down 50 feet and you don't own anything else. So just a good comment. Anyways, you know what? Uh, as I mentioned just before the break, we are joined now by Tim Burney. He is owner of Burney Electric. And by the way, folks, they're coming up to their 50th anniversary and he is a professional engineer. And Tim, welcome to Simply Real Estate. Thank you, Todd. Great to be here. Tim, you know, one of the things that um, we try to encourage here at Simply Real Estate is safety. Uh, when people are buying properties or when they have ownership, you know, one of the most important things, obviously, are, is the electrical in anyone's home, and safety is very important. I understand that uh, that your company focuses on a lot of safety matters. Is that correct? Oh, yes, absolutely. First and foremost. Okay, so when we start talking about things such as exteriors, you know, there's got to be some issues that people should be aware of and and conscious of. And, and can you give us a little bit of a list of, kind of like a checklist, that if you're going to be buying a property, things that you should be looking for? Well, the number one thing on the exterior, outside of the incoming service, would be ground fault circuit interrupters. So any electrical outlet outside, and that includes in your garage, must be protected by ground fault circuit interrupters so that when you're plugging in your extension cord or your Christmas lights or whatever it might be, you're protected if something should short the ground. So when you say ground fault interrupter, that's what some people make the short form, they call it a GFI outlet? G- yes, GFI, GFCI. Right, okay. So um, because a lot of times, you know, there's a lot of do-it-yourselfers and, you know, this is not something somebody should just start installing themselves. Is that right? Any electrical work done in your home should be done by a licensed electrical contractor. That's the bottom line. Uh, we just had a seminar the other night and I had someone come up to me and tell me that their whole outlet was basically falling apart when they went to plug in their extension cord for their lawnmower. And I said, don't use it. Get us or somebody out there to replace it because you are living dangerously. And a lot of homes um, do not all have GFIs in them or GFCIs. That's correct. Because it wasn't part of the code. Right. And roughly, if, just to help our listeners out, when was that code introduced? Do you remember? That would have been back in the late 70s. So and, they've been around for a long time. But Todd, the other thing we find too when we're testing people's homes is that the GFCIs, they wear out. They don't last forever. It's like your car. You can't go 50,000 kilometers and not change the oil. You've got to maintain these things, and that's why I suggest to people hire a licensed electrical contractor. And I agree 100% with you, Tim. So you, you did mention, you know, of course there is the, the source of your electricity, and again, in a lot of the older homes, these are coming in via cables that are more coming into the roof, which mm-hmm. brings it down. You've got a lot of people out there, and they turn around and they look at this kind of stuff, and they say, oh yeah, I, I can just move around that if I'm going to be pruning a tree, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm up on the roof, you know, it's mm-hmm. not a big deal. Look, that cable's wrapped in, you know, in, in some form of rubber coating. Should people even be going near this? No, absolutely not. It's one of the most dangerous, well, probably one of the biggest causes, I think, of electrical shock in Ontario is, you know, people with ladders or, as you say, working in and around the roof, doing their gutters and touching live electrical, and it's a bad outcome. 
My suggestion is, as I say, call the professionals and let them do it, or have it rerouted underground if you can, uh, you know, by talking to the local utility. And these are the kinds of things that we talk to homeowners about all the time. And as you see in new construction, it's always buried. And that's the thing, you know, when when you're doing brand new subdivisions, they've now put it all underground, and they just come up to the meter, and basically it goes into mm-hmm. your home at that point. Mm-hmm. So again, keep keeping safety in mind. Um, you know, a lot of people with pools, patios, those kind of things, you know, they want to be running some form of electricity out to, let's say, you know, a pool shed or things like Mm -hmm. that. Again, what are some of the things that people should be concerned of? I mean, obviously, water and electricity don't necessarily mix too well. Um, You standing in water, putting your hand on electricity, you know, we obviously know what that outcome is all about. So so what should people people be conscious of? Well, a lot of times with sheds, we find that uh, the line going from the home out to the shed is not deep enough. It needs to be down at least 18 inches and it should have some kind of protective cover on it, whether that's just a piece of wood or something above, just to warn you in case someone comes along digging after, you don't dig it up accidentally and electrocute yourself. 120 volts, people think it's harmless. It can kill you. It takes, I think it's 8 milliamps across your heart to stop it from beating. That's not even an amp. The voltage is really irrelevant. You really have to know what you're doing and make it safe. And this is the thing, because I think since, you know, a lot of people with the do-it-yourself shows, they they believe, you know, they go to Home Depot, they listen to all, you know, some professionals and they think it's fairly easy to do. You just, you know, you click off a breaker and all of a sudden you're all set. Mm. But there's a lot more to it than that. Um, Mm. You know, obviously there's a reason why you have to be licensed to do, uh, you know, working with electrical. Mm. But... Again, when we when we talk about things like pools and and lighting around pools and things like that, um, there is the low voltage lighting. You know, you can buy these these things that are running on these low voltage. Uh, again, keeping those away from water, I think, are very key. Um, what what kind of advice can you give people for that? This is where the GFCI protection comes into play. Normally, what would happen is you'd have a receptacle, weatherproof box uh, with a special cover, which are great. The other thing you have to keep in mind, Todd, is that these outlets are exposed to the elements. They're outside. So you've got snow and rain and all these things beating on them. So having these protective covers keeps them from rusting and corroding inside. And the GFCI, when you plug a little adapter for your lights in there, then you're protected because, like you say, the last thing you want to have happen is to have something fall in your hot tub or your uh, pool that's got electricity uh, flowing through it. It's so important. I can't stress it enough when it comes to you know, home safety. And of course, Tim, your website is ismyhomesafe.ca. Is that correct? That's, that's correct. And you can offer, obviously, inspections for our listeners if they want to make sure that their home is safe. Absolutely. We do that all the time. Fabulous. Well, I think that's a fabulous service. And uh, Tim, thanks so much for joining us today on Simply Real Estate. We greatly appreciate it. And I hope to have you back to talk more. That'd be great, Tom. Okay. Thanks. Have a great day. Thanks so much, Tim. Folks, that was Tim Burney from Burney Electrical. And when we come back, I'm going to be joined by Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage. So stay with us. I will be right back. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. You know, I always appreciate having a professional on Simply Real Estate here, and Tim Burney from Burney Electric is very much that. He, you know, professional engineer, great advice for people. Safety is so important with your home. You know, electricity folks, very, very dangerous. You want to keep your your family safe. Make sure you do get a professional to take a look at it. Make sure if there is an issue, don't try to do it yourself. You know what? Uh, much better bring in a professional. These are one of those things that 
that can are can be life altering. So it's much better for you to actually have it done properly. As I mentioned just before the break, though, one of my usual guests, love having him on. It's Mr. Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage. Uh, welcome to Simply Real Estate, Dave. Thanks, Pat. How you doing? Good, thanks. Good. So here we are. You know what? We're we're starting off in June. The weather has been pretty decent. You know, we finished off May nicely. Um, seems like the market is saying the same thing. What do you think? What are you seeing out there? I'm, I'm seeing large, large activity, uh, at least on our side, on the mortgage side. Uh, it's definitely record months. I mean, we haven't seen Aprils and Mays like this. Uh, and, you know, and that's considering that April and May and June and July are always going to be really, really heavy months. So uh, it's been a battle to keep up with it. Uh, obviously, though, we aren't going to complain about it. We're just going to try to forge ahead. But certainly, as a market update on my side is that uh, it is extremely busy, busier than I've seen in any year in the past 12 years. Okay, so let me let me let me take a step back then. When you say busy, are you referring to the number of transactions or the actual dollar value? Because reports out recently said that April um, it didn't seem like there was a lot more volume, but prices, especially in in Vancouver and Toronto, through the roof. Vancouver twenty five percent increase on dollar year over year. You know, Toronto, 12% year over year. Um, They said that the actual volume being traded in Vancouver, flat, zero increase. Toronto, 3.7, which is not like crazy. You know, if you're sitting there talking, you know, you know, a couple of hundred extra units in a marketplace as big as Toronto, that's not a big number, but definitely the dollar value up at 12%, you know, that's definitely putting some heat into the market. Yeah, you know what? I mean, it's funny. This will sound crazy, but a lot of our personal clientele that we work with, we work with obviously a lot of investors, and they're not necessarily buying in Toronto. They're buying in a lot of the suburbs and outside of that. Um, And we're seeing that the numbers out there in some of those suburbs are going crazy. Like I've seen Mississauga, I believe, value. I think uh, you would know that, obviously. I think uh, the numbers are up a bit in Mississauga as well. But it's weird for us, and maybe that's a testament to uh, how our team's doing, but uh, our numbers are definitely up, and I know my father's side of, uh, of Butler Mortgage, they're also fair. They're up quite a bit as well, and that's in units. Um, so, I mean, certainly there's, you know, whether or not that's a, a shift as far as where the mortgages are going, but I definitely, uh, I know for, you know, to, to, to echo your, your sentiments, yes, I mean, the values are up like insane. I mean, you know, the, these bidding wars and everything else, but I would definitely say that units are certainly, it feels like they're up a lot. Maybe it's just that it feels like they're up a lot because the banks are making it a lot harder for us to get these approvals. Well, you know, and that's a great point. And this week, um, you know, of course, the uh, OECD, which is the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, they want to start putting some heat on Ottawa saying, hey, listen, guys, you want to cool the market. And then a statement out from National Bank and a a few of the major banks are now concurring with this this idea. They all want to turn around and instead of going with 5% down, they want to shift everything to a minimum of 10% down. Now, years ago, and, and, you know, I'll date myself 20, 30 years ago, you know, we were looking at 5% was not heard of, okay? It wasn't something that they were looking at. You know, everybody was looking at 10% conventional mortgages were at 25%. Yep. So, you know, here's the thing. So the idea of introducing, you know, getting rid of the 5%, going to 10%, you know, uh, a little bit earlier in the show, I had actually mentioned to everybody, I think that um, the banks need to actually act, not force the government. They don't, you see, the banks don't want to look like the bad guys, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, they just, 
Well, they would, well, they'd much rather say, yes, but the government said that that's the way it should be. But yet they're the ones putting the pressure on the government saying, hey, listen, you know what? You need to make it 10%. Meanwhile, you got CMHC doing the underwriting on the high ratio mortgages. So where, what, what's your opinion on it? Will a 10% rule right across the board soften the market when really it seems like most of the activity is a million plus, which has no relevancy to the 5% rule? Yeah, I mean, it's. I gotta, I gotta be honest. I feel like they're, they're, they're beating at something they've been beating at for years. I mean, we've all heard that they've been wanting. You know, there's someone out there, whether it's the government, the banks, CMHC, Gen, where someone wants it increased to 10 percent. We hear that a lot. And any time you look at a housing market, one of the easiest things to say is let's change the down payment to make it more difficult. Um, I, you know, it's, it's tough because I think at the end of the day, CMHC is not seeing any losses. And they're the ones, you know, same HC, Genworth, and Canada Guarantee. They're, they're the ones that are covering that sector, that 5 and that 10 and that 15% down. I think if we saw them taking big hits on stuff, I think we'd certainly uh, we'd see it you know, switch right away to 10% and possibly even more. But, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think it's, you know, I think there's, there's, there's got to be something in the play of how is this going to fly when the market starts to shift. And I think it's whoever decides they're going to be the ones to predict it you know, they'll be the first to make the move. But I think what's happening is you've got the banks still, you know, even though they're complaining about suffering losses, I mean, really, it's just they're not making as much profit, uh, you know, and that's yeah. more so to do with the I, oil sector. So. I was, I was going to say, hang on, Dave, let's, let's back something up. I, I, I understand. But when they talk about the actual real estate aspect of it, the banks look very profitable in the last five, ten years. Oh, gosh, yeah. And, and, and yeah, they are taking a bit of a hit, obviously, because of the oil market. And, of course, now for, for, they're saying, you know, Fort McMurray, the, the obviously the horrible incident up there, they're saying is going to have an adverse effect to the entire Canadian economy for the rest of the year. Yep. But you know, when 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 you look at it, it's sort of like, okay, so fine. So what they're trying to do, and, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but they're trying to you know trying to get a coasting landing here. Yeah. But you know, they've got to be careful that if they knock that out. Then they turn around, put ten percent, and they completely cool off the first-time homebuyer market because really the five percent is set up for the first-time homebuyer market. Oh gosh, yeah. Which generates every single real estate market. If you don't have a first-time homebuyer, you can't have a first move up buyer, meaning it. the guy that does the next jump. So this 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 is the thing, you know. Yeah, I get it that everybody's struggling to get a an affordable detached home as their final home right now. We know those numbers are big, but you know there's there's affordability in the condo market and the town home market. And so when we look at it, you know, really, they're trying to have an adverse effect on the first time home buyers. And I don't know, you know, I, I, I personally think that, again, it should be the lenders maybe changing how they qualify people, like make them qualify at 4% interest rate. That way they're not, you know, taking on too much debt. But, it's, Absolutely. you know, there, there, there's got to be better solutions than, hey, let's just do a, a catch-all and go, everybody's 10%. Because what if the market does collapse, okay, or we see a complete, you know, you know, uh, de- you know deflation of the, of the actual market, and then what are they going to do? Then take their, take their foot off everybody's throat and say, now we can do it at 5% again, just like they did with from 25-year amortization yeah. to 40 amortization and now back to 25-year amortization. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the last crash, obviously, that happened, they, they, it was, you know, 
It was, it was, they were forced. They were forced, and, and, and it caused a lot of the stuff we have now. Now everyone seems to be trying to predict it. But it's funny. When I say the banks are suffering losses, it's funny that they're the ones that are making it seem like they're suffering losses. And really all they're saying is our profits are down 48%. I mean, that's really what National Bank is saying, is that our profits are down 48%. That certainly doesn't mean they're down, you know, as far as making money. They're still making loads and loads of money. But, no, I think, I think at the end of the day, if the mar- you know, when we see a market shift a bit, um, you know, who's going to be the ones that are hurt by it? Um, I think at the end of the day, we would say the insurers are the ones that are most at play, and they have no notion, as far as I can see, of making another change based on the one that they just did, where they changed the down payment from the uh, over 5%, over 500000 they changed it to 10%, and the insurers obviously were okay with that, so they went with it. So, I mean, I think it would be, it would be a little premature for them to make a move, because I think you're right, we're at the ape, we're getting into an apex here, where the market at, is at, and they start to, if they don't go and throw in a 10% down rule from 5%, I think you're going to see a, in my opinion, a drastic drop because I know Todd, some of the clients you work with and a lot of the clients I work with, I mean, these are, there are a lot of files done at 5% down, a lot of them. Yeah. And this, this, this is the thing. Again, if people are qualifying themselves, looking at their debt and their ability to carry debt over a certain period of time, it's very important that they're realistic. People like yourself, Dave, you keep people realistic. You know, it's, it's actually showing them where the market could go in the future and where their payments are going to go to. Oh, yeah. I mean, one of the worst things that I get, that I feel like I get when a client sent, you know, maybe contacts me and says, hey, Dave, I heard your mortgage broker. I'd like to find out what is my max I can buy. And I always think to myself, wow, that's where everyone's head is at. Everyone's head is, what is the maximum number I can get to? Where it should be, what do you think the best move is for me and my family based on our situation? Yep. Right? So, so I think Dave, we've, we've fallen into a really rough rough thing here where everyone's trying to just get the max, 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 max. Uh, I'm going to stop you right there because we're going to go to a quick break. Sure. When we come back, you and I can finish talking about this. Folks, I'm with Dave Butler. Stay with us. We're going to talk more about mortgages when we come back. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Now, more of Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. If you're just joining us, I've got Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage joining me, and we are talking about the market, the potential of 5% down now becoming 10% down, banks applying heat to the government. They don't want to be the bad guys. They want the government to make this change potentially. Uh, Dave, you know, we were talking about it, and, and when one of the points you made just before the break, you get people that are coming to you, they're qualified, or they're trying to figure out how to qualify for the maximum amount of debt, and that's a tough one for some people, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I think we've gone somewhat backwards a little bit. I mean, I always thought that um, the job of the mortgage broker was to sit with the client and assess their situation and look at their goals in the future and look at their plan and put a, you know, put a future plan together and base your pricing off of that. I think we've missed, you know, there used to be a generation of people that they would buy the $250,000 home and then they'd work a bit and pay it down and then upgrade to the next one, which is five hundred and so on. I mean, I've got people right out of the gate going, hey, can I qualify for a million-dollar property at 5% down? And it's just, you know, it, it's, you know, we have, as a broker, I have to do my job, and I find that it's tough to work with that type of clientele where it's just I want to get my max, I want to get my max, because the truth is, is we are trying to plan. I mean, you know, I believe that the people repeat, the reason people want to use mortgage brokers is that, 
they want to get someone who can plan for them, and that's what we do. And I just I think that that there's a lost art there, and I think it's it's going to hurt us in the end because that can't be good that everybody just wants to go and get the maximum debt they possibly can. It doesn't necessarily make sense, at least in you know in my eyes, I, I've yeah. never understood that. So yeah, no, I agree, hundred uh, percent. So another topic to talk about, of course, is cottage life. I know <laughs> you enjoy cottage life. Uh, if my listeners tune in, they know that uh, you know I one of my most important important things is doing cottage with my daughter. I've got a six-year-old daughter and she loves it up there. And, and so we all know family and cottages go hand in hand. For those people that want to enter that market, Dave, is cottage, getting a cottage mortgage just as simple as getting a home mortgage if it's a second, re- a second residence? Yeah, I mean, believe it or not, it, there's actually a lot of people, in my opinion, have come to me and said, hey, what's the big deal with buying cottages? And the funny thing is, there's nothing that's really in particular that's different you can actually purchase a cottage with as little as 5% down payment. There is a program called the Secondary Home Program. It's offered by all three of the insurers. You can actually purchase a secondary residence, and that can be a cottage. That could also be a home you're buying for a family member who's maybe in need. That could be for a son or a daughter going to university, but there is a program out there for it. Now, there is a difference sometimes between whether it's a cottage that's year-round access it's winterized, and then there's differences when maybe it's a cottage that does not have year-round access. Those can be differences as far as down payment points. Sometimes you might have to put in 20% because it's not a winterized cottage with a year-round access. But at the end of the day, it's a simple program that you apply for, secondary home program. Now, by nature, it's not the easiest program to apply for. Simply put, we are taking the client's income. We also have to now count their mortgage payment if they have one on their current home. And we still have to service this new property under the debt ratios. So it does take a good family income to be able to qualify for this. But at the end of the day, I do many, many, many clients' mortgages where we're buying cottages, we're buying secondary homes, and you can do it as little as 5% down payment. Excellent. Well, listen, Dave, you, uh, speaking of cottages, you enjoy yours. Thanks for joining us today here at Simply Real Estate. We always love having you on as a guest, and we will talk to you soon. I appreciate it, Todd. Thank you very much. Thanks so much. So that was Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage, folks, and um, always great to have him on. You know, he's got a great perspective on things and has a great understanding about mortgages and the market. And speaking of the market, um, you know, there's all sorts of reasons for people to buy real estate. If it's your own principal residence, if you buy it as an investment, there is always huge opportunity out there for the long term. You know, we always talk about things such as speculation um, versus investment. And investment even can be an investment in your home. You know, people are buying things as speculation. You have to remember one thing, folks. Whenever you're buying something speculative, if it's an investment property or if it's your home and you're doing a quick flip, there is a time limit that you must have so you do not pay capital gains. More importantly, when we're dealing with some of this stuff, when you buy investment properties, if you're doing a quick flip and you do not take title, then you're going to have to worry about income tax, not necessarily capital gains. If you take it short term after taking title, it is capital gains. There are taxes you will pay and make sure you get some great legal advice when you start selling properties. Now, one of the things I want to talk you to talk to you today about, obviously, is the condominium market, and not so much about the value and all the huge buildings that are going up 
today that we see. You know, I sit here in the studio uh, right here on Richmond, and one of the things that I notice is that, you know, more and more buildings are going up, and I look across to the parking lot, and I think to myself, okay, one day I'm not going to have that great parking spot there. Um, You know, I'm going to be looking at probably like a 50-story building. And when we start looking at these 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, even, I know they're pushing to 80 stories here in, in Toronto. Um, when we start looking at these buildings, we have to think about the repair and maintenance aspect of it. And this is the scary thing. And it's not that I'm a doomsayer, but I'm a realist. And we have to talk about this because for those of you out there buying condominiums, you need to know what you're in for. And it's interesting because a lot of people that have now owned condominiums for, let's say, three to eight years because they had recently bought them brand new, you've watched your maintenance fees go up, but you're not even close to where the real costs are going to come in. In condominiums, the hardest thing for you to do is turn around and absorb what they call a special assessment. A special assessment normally is when they take a look at something that has to be done immediately, something that has to be repaired, there's something very important, this can be structural, this can be something that has to be done, and your reserve fund, which is the study that people do on a condominium, does not have enough money allocated in it to take care of this issue. So what happens is people get special assessments. Now, this is where it can be very painful. Special assessments can be as as low as a few hundred dollars, but it can be in the multiples of thousands. In fact, I've seen special assessments at 10, 20, 30,000. And part of the problem there is that for people that do not have the money and they have to sell or they register a lien on your property when you do sell, you have to pay it. And this is what we have to focus on when we look at condominiums. And the reason why I focus now more on brand new condominiums is you need to figure out what's going to happen in the future. Builders will sometimes artificially keep the maintenance fees down because they want to make it attractive to you, the new buyer. Now, again, they'll always say maintenance fees are locked for the first two years. Now, what will happen after that is that they will have to do another study and take a look at it and say, okay, where are we now and where should the maintenance fees truly be? How much money did we spend on electricity in the common areas, meaning your underground parking, the hallways? How much did we pay for the staffing? Because you've got the concierge that says hello to you or your tenant. You've got the bowling alley, which is absolutely ridiculous. But you know what? It did take a few beatings because let's say, you know, there's a teenage youth that goes running in there, breaks it. What about the pool that has a leak? They didn't anticipate that a pipe would burst. Yeah, they think insurance would cover it, but there's other issues that come into hand. And speaking of insurance, when you have a condominium, you have to have condominium insurance. And that is the one that I believe over the next 10 to 15 years should have a flag attached to it. Because condominium insurance is going to start going up when the liability starts increasing, such as falling panes of glass. This does happen on a regular basis now in Toronto. Not only is it expensive to replace it, meaning get the person out on the swing stage, they go and install it from outside, you know, it's thousands of dollars to do just one one window in a building like this, but it's the danger that's involved. Something falling from 50 stories, by the time it hits the ground, at that point, it will kill anybody that it touches. And so you have to keep this in mind that what is going to happen to these condominium fees? Your condominium insurance could easily double or triple as soon as one of these activities happen in the in the Toronto area. And again, we've been very lucky so far. People have not been catastrophically injured from falling debris, but it can happen. 
And as these buildings begin to age, this is going to become more commonplace. Now, can you imagine what they have to do when they want to repair something on top of a roof at 50 or 80 stories? They're not bringing in a crane to do it. They're going to be bringing in helicopters to drop things. And the last time I checked, you know, not that I rent helicopters that often, that's pretty darn expensive. You know, you got to fly into downtown Toronto carrying what, um, you know, a, a motor for the, for the elevators. And, you know, that's the other thing. As much as it's really cool to go up 70 stories, you know what gets you there? An elevator. The cost of that elevator in the future to replace is going to be astronomical. Where does that money come from? You. Your maintenance fees are what will control the maintenance of the building. It may look like a real shiny penny right now when you move in. They're great. They're five-star resorts. But do not get fooled that your maintenance fees are not going to go up substantially in the future. If I whip out my crystal ball, I'll tell you this. This is what I truly, truly believe. I believe maintenance fees in the future could be as much as the rent that you could get on your unit. Now, I'm not talking today or tomorrow. I am talking 10, 15 years down the road with the condominiums that are being constructed today here in downtown Toronto. I believe that your maintenance fees could be almost as much as your rent. So then where does the expense, how do you cover your expenses of both your if, you're, if you've got it as an investment property, how do you cover your property taxes and your mortgage? Folks, this is just reality. That's all I'm trying to do is give you a realistic vision. You know what I actually like? It's the older condominiums because you already know how they operate. They've got some historic you know, numbers to them. When you take a look at a building that's been operating for 20 years, you know exactly what it's doing. And I believe that some of the older condominiums are actually better value. They don't have all the bells and whistles, but you know how they operate. So if you want something long-term, I'm always going to be that person that will encourage people. Sometimes it's better to buy old than new because new is going to cost you even more in the future. And you know, when you pay for those amenities, the question is, are you really going to use them? Are you actually going to go to the rooftop pool? Are you going to be using the bowling alley? Are you in the gym all the time? How many times have you used it? Think about it. If you're a condominium owner right now and you've got all these wonderful amenities, ask yourself this, how many times do you use them? And when you sit there and you say to yourself, yeah, you're right, I only use it maybe a couple times a year, well, there you go. There's your money going out the door. And I want you to keep that in mind whenever you're buying a brand new condominium or any condominium itself. Anyways, thanks for listening and thanks for my guests this week. Uh, Tim Bernie from Bernie Electric, Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage. Awesome to have those gentlemen on the show. Always some great information. I want to thank my producer, Ian Grant. Always awesome. You know what? He gets everything lined up for me. Makes my job simple. Love making things simple. Remember, you go to thesimpleinvestor.com today and find out about our newest release. It's amazing. You can find out more. We'll send you the information. It's going to be released out in the next week. Everybody's going to know about it. So, thanks for all of us here at Simply Real Estate, and I will talk to you next week.